Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome to SCU Buzz Podcast. I'm River, and if you're gearing up for the Gold Coast Marathon, today's chat might be a good one to listen to while you go for a run, because we are taking a deep dive into nutrition and fueling your body for long-distance running. Joining me today is clinical nutritionist and research fellow at Southern Cross University's National Center for Naturopathic Medicine, Dr. Jessica Bays. Welcome to the podcast, Jessica. It's great to have you join us. Thank you. It's great to be here. So should we dive straight into it? Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you developed an interest in nutrition? Yeah, so I have always been interested in nutrition. I originally trained as a massage therapist and was noticing a lot of people coming with injuries and thinking, I think their diet is playing a role here as well. And thought, oh, I might do a, a short course on nutrition and then ended up signing up and doing the whole the whole degree and then just became obsessed and loved doing research now in the field of nutrition as well. But it's definitely something that's been an interest of mine since I was very, very young. Wow. Okay. So, so when you said that people were coming in with injuries and, and you um, had that feeling that maybe it was diet related, what kind of injuries made you kind of go down that pathway of, of guessing that, that it was something to do with their nutrition? Yeah, so I've always come from a really sporty family as well. My my dad's in the military and now my younger brother's in the military as well. So very fitness sort of oriented. And I was doing a lot of, when I was studying massage, I was giving lots of massages to people on the military base that had you know issues with their knees or their back and, and things like that, either from injuries from work or from sport and those sorts of things. And, you know, you can have all the massages in the world, but if you're eating a really high inflammatory diet that isn't conductive to healing and, um, and recovery, particularly from exercise and injury, um, I just thought, I think there's a really big missing piece of the puzzle here. So that's kind of what made me start diving down those rabbit holes. Yeah, right. And so what kind of foods are considered inflammatory? All the best foods, <laughs> the unhealthy ones. Uh, so obviously alcohol, processed, fast food, junk food, things that's, that's not really real food can have a really strong inflammatory impact on the body. And there's lots of research supporting this. We can measure inflammation quite easily through blood tests. It's not just kind of an airy-fairy kind of term. It's You can actually measure that through biomarkers. And so we know that diet has a, the effect to increase inflammation or reduce inflammation in the body. Right. Wow. And so what kind of, if you do have a high inflammatory diet or you've got high inflammation in your body and you're wanting to eat foods that will reduce that inflammation, what kind of foods are available? Yeah, so the... The one that usually comes to mind when we're talking about inflammation is omega-3 fatty acids, so seafood and, and things like that. So fish oil um, supplements and things like that can be really, really helpful. And this is particularly important when recovering from training because exercise does increase inflammation in the body a little bit. Um, obviously, exercise is really good for us. We shouldn't stop doing it, but it's important that we bring that inflammation back down and we um, counter out any oxidative damage or stress that's happened from the exercise as well. Right. So on, on the topic of exercise and taking care of our bodies, how important is food and nutrition for marathon preparation? Oh, so important. <laughs> So important for, for our training, for our energy and endurance during the race, um, and then obviously for our recovery afterwards as well. So it's important sort of before, during and after. 
Right. And so for the runners listening today and who will be participating in the marathon, would you be able to give them a guideline of what sort of foods they should be eating in the days leading up to the marathon during their training period? Yes. So you'll find lots of conflicting information online. No, good old Google. (laughs) And I think if there was a perfect formula, we would know about it by now. And the annoying and frustrating, but also thing that I find the most fun about nutrition is that it is so personal to the individual. The same way that one training routine isn't always best for each person by age or fitness level or gender or whatever it might be. It really does depend. It's one of those annoying, it depends kind of answer. <laughs> we know some sort of foundational things. So we know, um, you know, it's really important to build up our glycogen stores. So that's our storage glucose in our muscles that we use to power us through um, sort of endurance activities. So complex, healthy carbohydrates. So things like whole grains and fruits and vegetables in the days leading up are going to be really important. But as what you do just before the race I think the most important thing is not to introduce anything new we don't want to be trying some whiz bang fancy new protein bar that we've just discovered that ends up giving you terrible diarrhea on the day of the race we don't want that that would not be ideal (laughs) no not at all not at all so when when you're talking about the dependency on body type and who you are as an individual as to what you should eat Are there any processes out there to kind of ascertain and figure out what body type you have and what you should be eating for that body type? Again, if you Google it, you'll find lots of quizzes and things online, not necessarily validated by robust science at this point. (laughs) I do think the, the developing field of personal healthcare or personalized medicine is really exciting, but I don't think we are advanced enough yet to do that. So I know there's lots of things online where people can do, um, say, blood tests where they have like their genome sequenced and their microbiome sequenced and all of these different things to try and get an edge for various things. And, and fitness is one of the big reasons people do these sorts of very expensive tests. How accurate, reliable, and how useful they are at this stage, mm, I'm not super convinced. Yeah, but, but that's just my, <laughs> that's my opinion. <laughs> Yeah. Well, nice to to hear. I find often that my my feed on my own Instagram, you know, is often quite filled with what body type are you? Which animal are you most like? What should you be eating for this? And it can be quite overwhelming sometimes, I think. So absolutely. Yeah. So on the day of the race, what types of food should people be eating? And in what quantities as well should people be eating before they're about to enter into a high endurance uh, marathon? Absolutely. Good question. So ideally you would have worked this out beforehand. So in your weeks of training leading up to this, I always recommend that people really journal and keep a diary and a log um, so they know how they respond to different foods, what foods make them feel the best, because it's not just important the foods that we eat, but it's also important the quantity that we eat and also the timing that we eat it. So we've got lots of factors all playing a role. So you need to know, okay, does my body respond well to oatmeal in the morning or does it respond better to just fruit? And then, okay, you've figured out, okay, oatmeal, I feel really good on that, but how big a bowl? Small bowl, a big bowl, and then, okay, an hour before or two hours before or just before I go out. And everyone's response is going to be different. 
So I know that I have to eat a huge amount of food just before I go. Otherwise, I feel faint and dizzy and just, you know, I'm struggling towards the end. Whereas my dad, if he eats a big plate of food, he instantly needs the toilet like 10 minutes into his into his run and he has to rush off somewhere to a bush, you know, and he feels really bloated and uncomfortable. And he said, I just feel heavy. I feel like it impacts my performance. Whereas I'm the complete opposite. If I have a small meal, I'm fainting all over the place very dramatically as I do most things in life. So again, you need to have figured this out really kind of prior you know, tested things out, really going, okay, how does this make me feel? How was my energy? What was my speed like? What was my endurance like? How do I feel afterwards? What's my recovery? So you've really sort of figured that out and not introduce anything new the day of the race. Right. And so when when participants are actually in the race and they're running, should they be focusing on just hydration or should they be focusing on hydration as well as food refueling? Yeah, good question. So again, it's annoying. It depends on answer. Um, hydration is super important. You can't neglect that at all. Whether you hydrate just with water or with, you know, some sort of electrolyte drink or an energy or sports drink, again, comes down to individual preference um, and need for those sorts of things. I know a lot of people use um, like sports gels or, you know, mini sports bars or normal sachets of honey or even jelly beans and things like that that they'll have as they go. Again, all of these can be really great options. Um, I'm someone that does need to refuel when I'm doing running and things like that because, again, I get quite spacey and busy when I get to a certain point. Other people find that distracting. Their digestion is kind of a little bit messed up because when you're running, all of your, well, most of your blood is shunted to your muscles so that you can run, which means you have a very limited blood supply to your digestive tract. So we talk a lot about things like, you know, being in fight and flight, but the opposite of that is rest and digest. So you have to be rested to be able to digest. So when you're running, you're not resting. So you have limited blood flow and activity to our digestive organs, which in some people can then cause them to have really bad stomach pain and cramps and they can get stitches and those sorts of things when they're trying to sort of eat as they run. So again, it's working out what works for you and have done that a few times in your training leading up to the event. You know, I've I've been in a situation myself where I've been at a, at a run and I went with a friend and she goes, oh, I've got these new gels. I'll give you some and you can try them on the run. And they gave me such bad stomach ache. After I do the run, I had to just stop. So nothing new. (laughs) Nothing new. So speaking of resting and digesting, after the marathon, what should people be looking at in terms of how to re-nourish, I guess, or give back to their bodies after such a huge exertion? Yeah, really, um, you know, it's it's such a key point. Hydrating, obviously, immediately after, really important. Try and I know the temptation to go out and celebrate afterwards and have, you know, a few celebratory alcoholic beverages. I get that because I've wanted to do that before. Like, yes, what an achievement. This is great. I'm going to go have a a champagne now. Probably not the best idea. (laughs) Lots and lots of water. And then protein is obviously one that, you know, we talk about a lot. We know that we need protein for muscle repair and recovery and those sorts of things but you also mustn't neglect your carbohydrates as well you need to replace those glycogen stores so really we're talking about sensible healthy balanced meals we want to really focus on anti-inflammatory foods 
so like the fish oils and, and seafood and things we talked about, now um, olive oil, nuts and seeds. And then we also really, in the, the days afterwards, want to focus on antioxidants as well. When we exercise, we put the body through oxidative stress. So we can end up with damage to some bits of our body, which again, exercise is good and healthy, but we just want to counteract some of that with antioxidants. So we find these in brightly colored fruits and vegetables. So things like berries and, and fruits and things like that. Mm. And so when obtaining these particularly fresh foods, when we're talking about fruits and vegetables, is there a, a preference and a priority as well over where you source your fresh fruits and vegetables? Yes. Um, but I always say to people that any fruits and ve- vegetables are better than no fruits and vegetables. So if the only way that you're going to eat this food is to microwave it and smother it in barbecue sauce, I'd rather you do that than not eat broccoli at all. <laughs> you know, now I understand, as you know, people, athletes are quite often, you know, sort of high, a high achievers anyway, and they want to do everything perfectly. So getting fruits and vegetables that are local, that are in season, that are organic, that would be the preference. But if that is not within your means and your budget, you know, frozen is, it's just as fine. Yeah. And so when running, I'm, I'm sure that most listeners have experienced this. I, I definitely have experienced it many times. The runner's stitch that we get in our belly. Would you be able to tell us maybe what causes a stitch and if there are any tips and tricks from a diet perspective that can help with reducing the likeliness of having a stitch? Yes, that's a really good question. Stitches are the worst, aren't they? <laughs> and I mean, obviously, we know some things that we can do that are non-nutritional related, you know, with breathing and stretches and kind of slowing down a little bit and things like that. Um, but staying really hydrated is probably the best thing that we can do. And then avoiding having really big meals just before the run as well. So studies have shown that having a large meal, and particularly a high-fat meal, increases the chances of stitches during runs in particular. So obviously some fats are healthy, you know, um, so we're not talking about avocado and a handful of nuts. We're talking about like fatty fried foods and things like that. Now, I can't imagine anyone is going to Macca's right before running a marathon. That would be a bit odd. But if you are considering it, maybe maybe think, oh, this could cause me to get a stitch and that will be enough to put you off. <laughs> and what kind of preventatives can runners do to avoid maybe getting muscle cramps during the race? Yeah, so muscle cramps, oh, muscle cramps are also terrible. I also hate muscle cramps. So again, hydration, really important. Electrolytes, really important. So, you know, sort of those electrolyte drinks that you can get might be a really good option. Um, particularly magnesium has been shown to be correlated with muscle cramps. And research shows that the general population are quite deficient in magnesium. It's found in quite a lot of healthy foods. So it's found in nuts, it's found in leafy greens and things like that, and whole grains. But um, if you're not following a particularly good diet it can be very easy to be deficient in magnesium and we know that certain nutrients as well we kind of use up in the body quicker in certain instances so if we're really stressed for example we burn through our magnesium a lot quicker i always know that i'm getting low in magnesium because when i'm stressed my eye twitches and i look like a cartoon crazy person with a twitchy eye <laughs> is, that, is that caused by, by low magnesium yeah because it causes issues with muscle contraction 
So if I'm really stressed and I haven't slept and I'm just, you know, burning the candle at both ends and then my eyes start twitching, I'm like, oh, I need to go and either increase my dietary magnesium or if I am feeling a bit lazy, I'll take a magnesium supplement, which can be really helpful. Um, I'm definitely not someone that pushes supplements and thinks everyone should take everything. But magnesium is one that I always have in my cupboard because I just find it very, very useful. So for something like cramps, magnesium could be a really good option. Right. And so do you find that there's a better way to, like when you're taking a magnesium supplement, do you have a higher rate of absorption if it's in a powder form or versus a pill form? Oh, my favorite topics, bioavailability of nutrients. Um, Without (laughs) getting too deep into it, I prefer powders because I find it is much easier to be more flexible with dosing. So if you take too much magnesium at once, because of the effect that it has on muscle contraction, our bowel is also muscle and it can cause it to relax too much that we get diarrhea. Again, we don't want that when we're running a marathon, not ideal. So again, we don't want to be experimenting with anything brand new up just before the race. Um, And you want to follow the instructions, the amount of people that come to see me in my clinic. I read this online that magnesium is great. So I'm taking, and it's a ridiculous amount because I think if it's good, more is better. Not always the case. (laughs) Follow the instructions on the bottle. But yes, I like powder. I also like it like that because it also forces you to drink an extra glass of water. I like to sip on it during the day. Because I think having it sort of spread out over time, we know that with certain nutrients, that's a better way to absorb it rather than a huge amount at once. Yeah. Right. And is there a particular brand of magnesium as well that you have a preference for? I do have some favorites, but they are practitioner only ones that you need to have prescribed by a qualified health practitioner. When it comes to ones that you can just kind of find in Priceline and Chemist Warehouse and things like that, there are some pretty good ones there. The form of magnesium matters. So whenever you look at magnesium supplements, you'll see it says something like magnesium citrate or magnesium orotate or uh, magnesium amino acid chelate. It's um, because they're minerals, they're bound to something. And certain forms have been shown to be better for certain things. So one type of magnesium has been shown to be better for heart health, one type better for muscles, one type's better for sleep, those sorts of things. So if on the packet it's kind of saying you know for cramps for muscles for exercise then it's probably going to be the form that's best for that but not always if you do want that more personalized nutrition advice then you can always book in and see a nutritionist who can help you navigate that kind of minefield right and so a little bit earlier you mentioned electrolytes would you be able to tell listeners from a nutritionist perspective or a scientific perspective, what the actual difference is between an electrolyte and water and when you should choose an electrolyte versus when you should choose water. Yes. So certain nutrients are considered electrolytes and they'll be added to the product for it to be an electrolyte drink. So just water is just our H2O and it might have some, you know, flavorings or whatever else in it if if you're going with fancy water. But electrolytes will often have sodium, potassium, magnesium, you know, they're they're the main ones. Sometimes there are some other ones in there as well. Um, And they are what make it an electrolyte. So you can get these through foods, you know. So if you were just to eat a banana, for example, it's very high in potassium. So you get your electrolytes through a food. You don't necessarily have to buy, you know, fancy, very expensive 
you know, Parade and things like that. But if that's the more convenient way and you want to have it as a drink, then absolutely go for that. But you'll notice when you look at the ingredients that it's water and then it's also got those electrolyte nutrients and the most common ones being sodium, potassium, magnesium, etc. So I understand that you've done quite a bit of research as well as to what kind of effect food has on your mental health as well as your, your physical health. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about that research and, and why food is important for our mental health? Yeah, absolutely. So I think most people can sort of say anecdotally that they notice how they eat affects their mood. When they're eating certain foods, they might feel more tired or lethargic or, you know, their, their mood might go down. Or if they are feeling down, they might crave certain foods, for example. But it's only really been researched properly over the last couple of years. So it's a, this new field called nutritional psychiatry, and it's looking at the way that our dietary patterns, individual foods, and then specific nutrients, how they affect mood and, and mental well-being and those sorts of things. So my research is mostly around depression, but there's lots of research on anxiety as well. And most research shows that the Mediterranean diet is the best one for our mood. So that's good because Mediterranean diet is delicious. <laughs> um, so lots of, you know, colorful fruits and vegetables, olive oil, herbs and spices, seafood, you know, all of the really yummy things. We know that these foods can impact our microbiome. So the, the bugs that live in our gut, and this is where 90% of our serotonin is made. So serotonin is that obviously that neurotransmitter that makes us feel good. We also know that it helps to, again, reduce inflammation, which has been linked with depression and anxiety. Again, through blood tests, we can measure this quite simply. So, yeah, it's a really exciting, exciting area. So, yeah, watch this space. <laughs> Amazing. So, we've got time for one last question. Do you have any final tips or words of advice for runners, uh, runners and people who are looking to improve their mental health or anyone that's interested in nutrition? Um, do you have any last words of advice for them today? Yeah, my advice would be any positive things you do, you know, it is a good first step. Don't feel like if you're listening to this and you're going, oh, my diet's really bad. I could be doing more. I should be doing more. I need to completely revamp my whole diet. Otherwise, it's going to be a disaster. That's not the case. If there's just a few small little things that you can do that you can take from listening then that is all positive things in the right direction. Even if it's just going, oh, I'm going to start sort of journaling about how foods make me feel, both from an athletic point of view and from a mental health point of view. Or it's going, oh, I'm going to look more into electrolytes or I'm going to look more into this. Just small little things are all going to add up to a big difference and not to be too hard on yourself to be perfect. Great. Thank you so much for being with us today, Jessica. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. No problem at all. Thanks for having me we would like to acknowledge the Wijibal Wyabal people of Bundjalung country as the traditional owners of this land we would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to elders past present and emerging